You are listening to a sermon podcast from Kingdom City. We pray that over the next few moments, you will be blessed, equipped, and empowered to bring the reality of God to your world. Welcome everyone to this session, wherever you are around the world. You may be in a home, having church at home, or you may be with a couple of friends, or just your own family. You may be watching on a phone or a big TV screen, and I do want to welcome you. And I believe this Word and the power of the Word of God will be released wherever you are. It will come sharp, razor sharp, like a two-edged sword. That's what God promises us about His Word. His Word is razor sharp to come and touch and minister and also to break the things that are holding us or pressing us. And I pray this message will have that impact and that hold upon your life. My message is called The Lion and the Lamb. Yeah, I know it's a dramatic name. I love the drama of the Bible. This great, huge, massive words with powerful symbolism behind it. And so I want to speak to you, as I said, a message called The Lion and the Lamb. And the text I'm going to use is from the book of Revelation. Yes, book of Revelation, uh, chapter 5, verse 1 to 7. We don't always go to the book of Revelation. We probably don't read it too much, much less probably preach from it. But it is a powerful book with powerful symbolisms that are vital in seasons like now, isn't it? In times like now. So let's look at the text itself. Revelation chapter 5, verse 1 to 7. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven and on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look in it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and loose its seven seals. And I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though he had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Verse 7, then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now, when we look at passages like this, we get bits of it. But when we hear words like scrolls and seven seals and then seven horns and seven eyes, we kind of lose interest with the process. It doesn't seem to make sense in our contemporary world, in our contemporary understanding. And we kind of give up on the book of Revelation. And then we go back to the book of Matthew where we feel safe and we can understand. But I actually feel this message has a purpose. Now, once you to understand the history. Here we have the Apostle John. Now remember, John was probably only about 17, 18 years old when he stood there and Jesus was crucified on the cross. John's much, much older here, probably in his 80s or late 80s in his life. And he's an apostolic father. 
He has great concern, love for the churches that he has planted in the region of Asia Minor. Now, historically, we're going through a difficult season, a season in which uh, the emperors of Rome are declaring and demanding that everyone worship the emperor as deity, as God, to make statues and images of the emperor, to put them in your places of worship and to bow down and to bring offerings unto them as gods. Now, the Christians had a problem. The Christians who had seen and believed Jesus Christ had given his life and blood for them and their commitment, their loyalty, their absolute faithfulness to Christ now had a problem with the demands of a Roman emperor. Now, remember, Rome is powerful. Rome is brutal. Rome requires you to submit and obey to what they put before you. And so there was this difficult time and Christians were being torn apart, businesses were taken away, they were dragged from their homes, even to the point of shedding of blood because they would not obey the commands of the emperor. Now, John, the apostolic father, is deeply concerned. This is his people. He's deeply, deeply concerned of how things are going on in their life. Now, we can relate to some extent to the historical situation. There are things happening probably in your world, your city, your nation, your government, that is really a difficult time. And you are struggling with this season, struggling to make sense of it, struggling to understand what wisdom, what strategies, what to do with that. And, God, and, and that's John. The Apostle John is crying. He wants to know what heaven thinks, what heaven is doing, what is heaven's time? He wants God. What are you doing up in the heavens? What are you doing? Come and help us through this journey. In response, God takes him up into the heavens and gives him the revelation. There we have the historical process. In chapter 5, we find that he sees the throne of Almighty God in the heavens. And there beside the throne, he sees the scroll, the scroll, and on the scroll, it's written. Now, the scroll is symbolically very powerful a word because it is the destiny of heaven that needs to be declared and established upon earth. And everyone wants heaven to move upon earth. Earth is struggling. Circumstances are difficult. The times are hard to understand or perceive and we want to know what is heaven's plan and heaven's intent and they cry out for that. But there is the scroll. John's eyeing the scroll. He wants the scroll. He likes the scroll. He wants to know the plan of God, but it is sealed and there is no one to open the scroll. Who could be worthy to declare heaven's destiny purpose and calling about earth. Which man or which woman is worthy to make such a, a declaration to speak the will of Almighty God upon the earth? There was none and John began to weep and one of the elders said, hey, don't weep. You don't have to weep because the lion of the tribe of Judah, 
the root of David has prevailed. Talking of how Jesus died on the cross. And now he is worthy to break that seal, that sovereign seals of God and to begin to declare and release heaven's will upon earth. So he declares, it's okay, there is one. John is excited. John knows who Jesus is. He knows the, the, the Lion of Judah, majestic, ferocious, far greater than the Empress of Rome, is the one who sits in the heaven, King among kings, Lord among lords, who rules over the nations and the kings of the earth. So John turns to look at the throne, at this great Lion of Judah. But when he turns to look, he sees a lamb. Not just a lamb, he sees a lamb that is wounded, a sacrificial lamb, cut up. But the lamb is standing and ruling on the throne. Now we all know the message and the symbolism of the lamb. That is Jesus Christ dying on the cross. But if you go back to your Old Testament, the lamb is the offering that they brought for the sacrifice of their sin in the days of the tabernacle. And when they brought a lamb, the priest would wash the lamb and then he would put the lamb on the altar and the lamb would be slaughtered. The brutality of that lamb being torn apart, chopped into pieces, the cry of a lamb being, being killed, the smell, the look, the, every part of it was horrible, was terrible. And you would say, wow, why did God require that? Because the lamb torn on the altar and the horror of it was our sin. It was actually our sin. That was the horror of our sin. Jesus being torn on the cross, all right? A, a crown of thorns and pierced on his side, his blood flowing down. You say, how horrible. But actually, it is the horror of human sin that was the sacrifice on the lamb. But the lamb, this lamb on the throne has risen from the dead. The lamb has seven eyes. We get puzzled with things like that. But think about it. Seven is the perfect number. Eyes is the all-seeing, the all-knowing. See, that's amazing, isn't it? This lamb knows every situation you are in, knows every circumstance you are in. He is all-knowing. Whatever be the situations you are, He is all-knowing. He is all-seeing. He sees the deepest cry of your heart. He knows the tears you weep on your pillow. He knows the struggles you're going through and the fears of your business and your enter. He knows everything. He's all sing and you know what he's on the throne he's absolutely and completely in charge of the situation the lamb is also seven horns seven horns speaks of the strength and the capacity and the authority perfect all powerful far above any human situation or any human rulers or demonic rulers that are trying to influence and bring any hold upon your life. Here is the Lamb of God, far above it. The message is simple, that it is through sacrifice that the kingship of Jesus 
is manifest upon the land. Jesus himself did that on the cross through sacrifice, through laying down his life, through listening to his Father, through absolutely trusting the will and the intent of God, through surrender, Jesus released the very rule of heaven upon earth. And if you and I are going to bring heaven's will, heaven's destiny, heaven's purpose and overrule earth's intent and purpose, if we're going to bring heaven's authority and overrule what is happening in your lives, your nation, your city, the struggles we have with the pandemic, the, the lockdowns, if we are going to overrule that, the entrance is through sacrifice. It is by bringing our lives and laying it down. It is by bowing down our lives in yieldedness and submission to God, we begin to open the doors for the kingly purpose of the kingdom of God to penetrate into our personal lives, into our families, into our businesses, into our city, into our nations, into our government. That is what God was showing the Apostle Paul. And that is where the scroll, the plan of God, the destiny, the intent of God, and the Spirit of God was going to be released from the throne of heaven upon all the earth. So therefore, if heaven's intent is going to be released through our yieldedness and sacrifice, what is that sacrifice that is within your life? I want to cover three areas before we close. The first one is a personal one. If you want to know the will of God, the destiny of God, the calling of God on your life, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, listen to this, a living sacrifice. There we have the word, a living sacrifice. We're following Jesus, holy and acceptable to God. That is our reasonable service. That means that's how you start. That is the only way. That's the plan we all need to have. And do not conform to the world and the rumors and the fear mongers and the anxieties. No, don't be a part of it. You know what? Be transformed in the renewing of your mind as you yield, as you submit the Word of God, the Spirit of God, the destiny of heaven begins to shift and change you. And God's plan, which is good, acceptable and perfect, becomes a reality in your life and leads you into what God ordained for your life. Let's look into a second area. Let's look into family and marriage, all right? Relationships of any kind that we want to talk about. And we think, oh God, we're struggling in this season. The answer is still the same. If you want to see the favor and blessing of God come into relationships, marriage, family, it starts with sacrifice. Ephesians chapter 5 tells us, uh, all right, in verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church. There we have it again. Gave himself for her. So it's saying to husbands, lay down your life. Later on in this passage, it will say, Wives, submit to your husbands. Same thing, lay it down. So there's something so powerful 
that goes against the worldview of this world where Jesus led us by saying, lay down your life, yield, sacrifice, surrender. And He says, when you do this, now comes this glorious uh, blessing of God as He begins to cleanse this marriage and gives it what He always intended for it. This sanctification, this holiness begins to move in your marriage. It is also a concept you can use for your family. Because you are holy and you yield and surrender your life, you are releasing the holiness of God and the intent of heaven and the destiny of God into your homes. Fathers and mothers, listen to me. Your children's destiny depends on your yieldedness to Jesus Christ. Every single day when you bow your, your knees and say, God, my life, my children, my grandchildren, I sacrifice, I surrender, I bring it to you. Heaven's purpose then invades and you know all the powers of earth will not be able to steal your children from the kingdom of heaven because of your yielded, surrendered life to God. I got one more one. I, I think we need to pray for the destiny of our land and what we are doing upon this land. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 16, it says, But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. So in our actions, where we are not serving ourselves and our agenda, and our plans and our ambitions, but like Jesus, we're serving one another. We're doing good, we're sharing, and such sacrifices, the book of Hebrews says, it's good, it is so pleasing to God. Once again, the surrender that comes with service, with sharing, with generosity, with ministering to one another, it may be a simple, as a phone call to somebody who is struggling or bringing them some help financially in whichever way it is good. The Bible says it is good and asks us, you do not forget that. Share what you have. Such sacrifices, hey, it is well pleasing to God. Just like the sacrifice of Christ, it is well pleasing to God as we bring each one of this. So there you have, just like the lion and the lamb. We all want the lion and we want God to come in His great authority and to shake the nations and bring His will. But God looks at you and me to also imitate the lamb, the sacrificed lamb, the lamb that was put on the altar and torn apart. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who took away the sin of the world on the cross, surrendered, yielded, gave up His life. His blood was torn, His body was torn, and there heaven's will came upon earth. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes this moment as I begin to release heaven's will upon your life. Father, wherever we are, we yield and surrender to you. We bring our lives, our destiny, our purpose, our calling. We bring our families, our marriage, our children, our extended families, 
and we bring and lay it down, God. We bring, oh God, our opportunities to share, to love, to sacrifice, to bless. And we lay it down before you, God. We follow Jesus. We come to the cross. We bow our hearts, our will, our lives. We yield to you, oh God. We know as we sacrifice, as we follow you as the Lamb of God, you will come in your authority, your rule, your reign, your power, and you will overrule, O oh God. So we pray now for heaven's purpose and destiny to be released upon earth. Wherever you are, I'm speaking for God's will, God's plan, God's timing. Even though you cannot see the immediate future, He's still there. And His purpose and His calling is being released upon your life in the name of Jesus. Now, I believe God put a word in me for some of you, and so I'm going to speak that now. We call this a word of knowledge, where God begins to put something and we speak it out. Now, I believe there's one for woman and one for man. For men, the word was angry man. There are men who are struggling, you are angry, you are frustrated, you are disappointed and you cannot rise above that. And your anger and your frustration is being expressed in your family and in your marriage and you, 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 you're getting frustrated with yourself. And the answer is simply this, listen, as you yield and surrender and you come before God, God's going to break that stronghold. That generational curse of angry, abusive men within your bloodline be broken now in the name of Jesus, that you will become the man, the husband, the father that God designed you to be as you lay down your life as Jesus did. I do have a word for women and that is for women who feel they are struggling in families where the men are abusive, where the men are not allowing you the freedom to be the person you are through their words, through their actions, through their limitations, they are controlling you. And I speak to women who come from patterns of abuse and control. And I release you. I release you as you lay down your life, let the very curse, let the very stronghold that has been so strong upon your family line be broken in Jesus' name. And let the power, the destiny, the will of God come into every home, every family, every marriage. I speak and I pray that my blessing will remain in your home and work deeply the intent and will of God in your life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus, we want you to know that He loves you very much. So much that He died on the cross for all of your sins that stood between you and God. If you would like to make a decision to follow Jesus today, all you need to do is to repeat this prayer. Dear God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I admit that I'm not right with you and I want to be right with you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me and making me your child. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time 
or if God has done anything in your life because of this podcast, we would love to know. Email us at testimony at kingdomcity.com.